This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, yeah. Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Welcome everybody to our first summer series edition of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their Keeper Pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me, as always, is the guy who's probably going to correct me for having just said summer series edition, Brian Com. You know, I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm just going to come in happy and enthusiastic, so here I am. It is so good, Elon, to be with you once again, and dear listener, to be with you once again, We've missed you. It's been two weeks, and uh, we are so happy to be here. We're going to break down what we've seen in the playoff series so far. And we've got the Cuckuppies, the annual award ceremony for all Cuckupful participants that non-Cuckupful participants will hopefully find interesting, too. Also, Elon, I feel like I'll just put this out there. If anyone's listening for the first time, we have um, like our content for today. If you're not like hardcore into fantasy, it might still work very well for you. Like they, they, we're going to, of course, add our fantasy slant, but there's a lot of interesting stuff to talk about in the series we've seen that uh, if you're not into fantasy hockey, I think you'll still find useful to know for those water cooler chats. I don't know who you're marketing to because like this, <laughs> the person downloaded a fantasy hockey podcast. So I guess they were okay with fantasy hockey talk, but maybe Brian doing like <laughs> tweeting out and saying, Hey, we just released an episode. If you've never listened before, check it out. Okay. Well, first let's see how this episode goes and we'll go from there but i think we're gonna have a good one it's been kind of interesting in the nhl over the last couple of weeks since we last talked a few surprises so we'll get to all of that of course let's mention that we are presented by dauberhockey.com top fantasy hockey website out there they're going to be with you all throughout the playoffs all throughout the summer with articles daily ramblings takes like if you want to be good at fantasy hockey you really got to be in the know all year long you you can't take an off season and expect to come in next year ready to go so Always check out keepingcarlson.com, but also also check out dauberhockey.com, which is what I was talking about. Brian, all right. You know, it's been a couple of weeks. Got to get back into the groove here. One other thing I'll mention super quickly before we get to our content. We are going to be having a patron episode soon where we're going to be doing a bracket of cuckupful rule change ideas. And if that was all like gobbledygook, what you heard, basically, we'll, we'll get to it later. But we have a Keeping Carlson Fantasy League for the patrons and we want your suggestions for potential rule changes that we'll make so you can either send those directly to john reed on facebook or send an email to kktakes at gmail.com like i like i said i'll mention this more later but i just wanted to throw that out there we're looking for your suggestions for a couple rule changes but brian let's talk about the playoffs so far holy upsets such a crazy first round so far there's still a couple series left to go 
the Leafs and Bruins are going to game seven. We found that out this afternoon. Uh, the Sharks and the Golden Knights might be done by the time we're done recording this podcast. It's 1-1. The third period just started in game six. But yeah, there's some series that are over. And I feel like in this show, we could talk about, like there are some fantasy implications maybe, or maybe Brian, you could be a wet blanket when I talk about a player who's done really well in the playoffs and ask you, is does this mean this player is going to be better next year? And you'll say, small sample size, don't even worry about it. But also, it'll just be fun to talk through some of these upsets. And uh, I don't know, like, it's just been so crazy. Like all of the talk, like with Tampa, with, like losing in the, in a sweep, it was like an insane Pittsburgh. Like I feel like last episode, all of our predictions were pretty much wrong. Though I will say that I did say on the show, you could go find the tape. I said that if there's going to be one upset next round, I said that I think it would be Colorado beating Calgary. And my reasoning was that I felt like they both have similarly like top heavy forward cores, but Colorado has the edge in net because Grubauer had been doing so well. Mike Smith is Mike Smith. So, Brian, do I get any credit for this, even though, like, A, part of my reasoning was that Mike Smith would be Calgary's downfall, but he turned out to be just fine. He put up a 917 save percentage over the five games. It wasn't his fault that they lost. It was that like Calgary couldn't score goals. Uh, also, all my other calls were wrong. Like, I thought Tampa Bay would go forward. I thought that Pittsburgh would go forward. So can I really take credit? I want to take credit for this Colorado call. I feel like it was smart, but I feel like it's drowned out by so much noise of all the other things I got wrong. I want to zoom back out first and just talk about all the upsets that we are going to talk about on the show tonight and how they've all happened. And like so this interesting thing that's happened with things not going as expected in the postseason to the degree that they have or haven't this year. Like like psychologically, it seems like it's been interesting to watch how hockey fans are taking this if Twitter is a gauge and also like gauge myself when I'm watching the games I actually found myself feeling this weird feeling that I can best equate to like frustration not actually but like there was like this discomfort when all these first round series started not panning out the way I and many others would have expected them to it was almost like situation a was supposed to happen but b is happening and if i was so sure about a happening then i must have been really wrong somewhere in all that i saw and thought about and researched over and poured over numbers for for the last eight months and like several seasons before this one of watching and following hockey and numbers it was like throwing my whole hockey worldview upside <laughs> down to the point that it was like like what's the point here oh why should God. i watch why do i even bother wow this has yeah. not been a good couple of weeks for but you. Like, th- th- this was just a momentary thing. Like, do you identify with this at all, Elon? Like, was there any discomfort for you seeing this happen? I don't know. Not really. Like, playoffs are always so weird. Like, that's why when we did, we filled out our box pools last week, and you took Tampa Bay players. And I thought to myself, everyone's going to take Tampa Bay players. Let me take some other players. Maybe that'll give me a better chance to win. Because the playoffs are always so weird. Usually the team that's favored doesn't go on to win the cup. There's so much parity in the league. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, it is definitely surprising how badly Tampa lost but overall like uh, it doesn't bother like what bothered me a lot more was how all of our goalie predictions for the regular season were wrong like how everything went totally upside down though as I say that we weren't actually that but I looked at our Schmore goalies Borg and actually in the end it turned out not so bad like we had Sergei Bobrovsky in the top tier and that looked really dumb for a while but by the end of the season he was great he was great in the playoffs I guess our biggest miss was like Robin Leonard we had him you know way down and now he's a Vezina Trophy nominee but anyways I digress I found that more annoying because the regular season is the thing that I feel like is a little bit more predictable and that's what we do our podcast on to help people win their fantasy leagues which happen over the regular season I'm surprised that the playoffs hit you so hard like it's surprising but it didn't annoy me if anything I thought it was kind of fun to see all this wacky stuff happening i think there's gonna be some really fun hockey there's still great teams going into round two we'll talk about columbus in a little bit i think this team is totally a contender at this point 
So don't get me wrong. Like I am loving the playoffs and having a great time. There's just like this feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I think part of it is that, you know, seeing teams like Tampa and Pittsburgh just roll over meant that I was going to be deprived of watching these teams. Like I was really excited to see them uh, put together a playoff run and what that looks like. Uh, And I guess I'll just have to adjust to different teams being the ones that I get invested in entertainment wise. Like, I know I'm not the only one feeling this way, but I I think like what you said is true where um, it's a very, like the league has great parody and we know the playoffs can be chaotic and there's nothing else to do but embrace it. And even though like, you know, you make all your logical predictions and then like watching night after night, it's like, you were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. Um, It's definitely not something I'm stewing over. Like that is just, you know, I'm keeping that feeling to the side and I'm still enjoying the chaos and fun that has been just such an exciting first round of the playoffs. And like, it's also going to make things really interesting next year. Like the fact that Columbus moved on to the second round, I think sets us up for such an entertaining trade deadline next season with what Yarmo Kekalainen did and going all in on a team that wasn't even necessarily in going to qualify for the playoffs and might not have if it weren't for Bobrovsky's heroics down the stretch and like, you know, a Montreal loss or two. That's, that's the only way that Columbus actually ended up, uh, having the opportunity to sweep Tampa, let alone doing it. Anyway, so many great things happening in this first round. Elon, you wanted to talk about Calgary, Colorado first. You get credit for calling it as a possibility. Like it would have taken a little more. Like my point to you, when you said Calgary was going to lose because Mike Smith stinks, uh, my counterpoint was that, well, Mike Smith and David Riddick have stung for large parts of the season and Calgary has survived Uh, well enough to be the top seed in the West and the next best team after Tampa in the NHL after the regular season. And so I think you still get some credit for at least thinking they were vulnerable. I think a lot of people agreed they were vulnerable. And one element that really had to go in Colorado's favor was they needed to keep getting their goaltending. And that's exactly what happened. Philip Grubauer, rock solid. He is now up to a 958 save percentage in his last 20 games. He's got a 13-3 and 2 record since early February. So uh, 18 starts in that stretch. 17 of them have been quality starts and the one that wasn't was actually very close to being a quality start. So yeah, I bet Colorado is uh, really happy with his performance and thanking him that uh, Grubauer has made it a whole lot easier for them to justify moving on from Varlamov. They finally should have some clarity on their on their goaltending situation, which we thought they'd have within a couple weeks or a couple months of the season. And it took us essentially to this point to know. Yeah, it's very interesting now because we're going to have to discuss over the summer like where to rank Grubauer as far as goalies go for fantasy next year. And we saw how hard it is to predict goalies. But right now, he's been like the top goalie in fantasy, just like you said. And of course, as expected, the Avalanche won not only on the back of Grubauer, but on the back of their amazing big guns. Nathan McKinnon, eight points in four games after the game one shutout loss. So no no points for anyone in the first game. And then McKinnon was insane. Ranton had nine points in those next four games. Tyson Barry had five points. Grubauer, like you said, uh, 939 save percentage over the five-game series, 1.9 goals against average. So unbelievable. Obviously, the story is not over yet about this team, but I do have a couple questions to ask you about going into next season. Like, I wonder, if, do you think that this win helps the, these players' stocks go up? Because believe it or not, I, I was kind of thinking they were a little down. So you could maybe just tell me if I was dumb, but like Nathan McKinnon ended the season with a measly 23 points in his last 23 games, which I know you're going to say 23 points in 23 games. That's amazing. But that's actually pretty far off from his overall pace, which was like a 100-point pace on the season. Rantanen ended with only 
only 11 points in his last 15 games when he was well above a point per game pace all throughout the season. So maybe if Colorado had not made the playoffs, this might have bumped down these two players' draft stocks going to next year. Obviously, when I say bumped down, I mean later in the first round than they would normally go. But now it just seems like once again, everyone is going to go into next year. Or at least we obviously the story, like I said, still has to finish with this playoff run. But yeah, it seems now like McKinnon and Ranson both are like, guys, you could be super happy to grab Nathan McKinnon like second or third overall in the draft and Ranson in just a few picks later. And then yeah, Grubauer is the really interesting one. Like I know it's really hard to talk about right now but do you think like at this point is he like a top 10 goalie to be drafted next season like he's gonna be the clear starting goalie he's not gonna be a tandem guy next year because they're not gonna resign Varlamov I'm almost positive like Grubauer is clearly the starter Colorado seems like a good team they should only get better like Cal McCarr will be your older we'll talk about him in a second so yeah what, what are your thoughts on these forwards and more interestingly Grubauer um so group the forwards i have no concerns about there was a lot of talk at the end of the series about how nathan mckinnon has established himself as a mcdavid like presence on the ice and it's hard to argue when you look at his numbers uh it's definitely time he has mentioned i mean we mention him in the same breath as the highest scorers in the league like mcdavid and crosby uh and like he's still like, I feel like the difference between him and them is he didn't come up with like a six year lead up to his draft date. And he can't go back and change that, but he can show us just how dominant he is uh, on the ice now. So uh, you've got to like him to be, I, I think that Elon, there's no way he should go worse than third in a fantasy draft. I guess, you know, Kucherov and McDavid are the other big uh, competitors for him. And I guess you can count Crosby in there too, if you'd like, but I wouldn't. Um Maybe like Brent Burns if you're in a bangers league and defense are rare. But okay, but that's getting really into the weeds. Yeah, McKinnon's a top guy for sure. Yeah, I was talking forwards for sure. Um, And then as for Grubauer, you're asking if he's going to be a top 10 goalie uh, to be drafted next year. And I feel like... Like there isn't even a top ten of goalies. Like we're of course we're going to do our small goalies board in the off season, but when we do, I feel like we're going to have three or four goalies that uh, you probably want most, and then this giant pile of goalies who could either be amazing or garbage. And Grubauer is going to be in that latter group. Not at all to say he's going to be garbage, but just to say you are throwing darts for goalies, and we all understand that's the case. So I don't even know what the point is in having a top ten. Uh, you're going to have your top tier. And then you're going to have that giant pile. And then you're going to have the guys you should probably avoid. So then I guess draft strategies for next year are going to be a lot along the lines. If it's a snake draft, then you have your goalie tiers and you have your big pile. And then as the pile starts to dwindle, that's when you start drafting your goalies. No reason to uh, grab out of the pile first. But okay, we'll get to that later. Well, And obviously there's still a whole playoff round to go. Maybe two, maybe three. Uh, Colorado's going to play the winner of Sharks Golden Knights, which we might find out before the end of this night. Uh, one last bit of abs talk for this week. What are your thoughts on Cal McCarr? He joined the lineup in game three, scored a goal in that game. Pretty nice first game for a team as a defenseman, especially. Uh, then he also picked up an assist in game five. So that's two points in three games on the series. He was seeing around 20 minutes of ice time in his last couple of games, as well as power play two deployment. So not so bad. And this guy, Cal McCarr, he put up 49 points in 41 games for UMass in the NCAA this season. He's a former fourth overall pick, so this guy has a high pedigree. I remember all the talk with Cam Robinson and those prospect guys were saying the thing with Kyle is he was so great coming up to when he got drafted, but they're saying he's never played against tough competition, so we don't really know. So he had another good game this year. I don't know if you would consider UMass in the NCAA like the top competition, but he's with the team now, and we've been getting questions. We got a question on Twitter from David Lemaire asking about Chicago's Eric Gustafson, and then he asked if Gustafson is better than Tyson Barry for next season due to the, and then this is a quote, apparent rise of Cal McCarr. So at least... 
uh, David was concerned that maybe Makar could be someone who could challenge Barry as soon as next year for top power play deployment. Do you have any thoughts right now on like how good is Cal Makar? Is he going to be the Rasmus Dahlin to Rasmus Ristolainen and bump Barry before next year's out and be a guy you definitely want to have on your fantasy team? I'm not counting on it. I think if you're looking at Makar impacting one player's value it's probably samuel gerard more than anything right because we've talked about gerard as for a long time as being uh plan b for the abs if barry moves on or isn't working out and they want to try and uh give somebody else the role uh but now you wonder if makar is going to be that guy I'm, I'm still not sure he is right like we can't get overly excited what we do know is that colorado is uh blessed with potentially three quality offensive defenseman um which could work out really well for them so we'll keep an eye on Makar's fantasy value but right now i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's approaching rasmus dahlins okay yeah well that's fair but uh, yeah it's something it'll be fun to watch the rest of the playoffs that's a player that i'm going to be watching i'll be curious to see how he does for the rest of colorado's run and they're gonna be a really fun team to cheer for another reason to be excited about grubauer colorado they didn't end up with the first overall pick as they could have having ottawa's pick they are going to get fourth so they looks like they're going to have a really nice prospect pipeline coming up. Uh, so what the heck happened to the Flames? Let's talk about them quickly. Goudreau had one assist in five games. Monaghan had a couple points. Elias Lindholm a couple points. Matthew Kachuk had two goals and an assist, so a decent three points in five games, I guess. The big guns, they were just nowhere to be seen, and I'm assuming this won't dissuade you from Goudreau and Monaghan like, after their career seasons. Correct me if I'm wrong, Like even though they had this disappointing playoffs. Maybe you can just blame that on, like, they, maybe they didn't even play badly. It's like Grubauer was just so, so amazing. Like No one could put the puck by him. I'm going to tell you, though, one player that really left the bad taste in my mouth at the end of the season Elias Lindholm he only had 10 points in his final 22 regular season games and then like I said like this uh two points in five playoff games he ended the season with 76 points like I would be very nervous about drafting him as a 70 plus point guy for next season like I don't like these players who show me that they can go cold for so long like if I'm gonna be drafting someone really high I want to see a lot more consistency especially since Lindholm wasn't a huge superstar before the season right like he had this amazing run he looked amazing but now he's been cold for so so long so yeah bad taste in my mouth I don't know how much you could say about him at, at this point, but he's someone that I'm less excited about drafting now because of this playoff performance and the end of the season. So you could tell me that or maybe I'm just uh, being dissuaded too easily. I don't know that you are. I mean, we've chronicled Lindholm's struggles for the last several weeks and like felt like it bled into months. Um, and it wasn't great. Like, it, like there's, there's not much to say. And you wonder if he is guaranteed, like if he still wasn't producing in that top line spot, does he get it? Like we've, we've could have figured he'd be the heir apparent, uh, you know, when we were heading into March or mid February even. Uh, but now you wonder if, uh, if the flames look for somebody else to go up into that spot, I doubt it. I still expect Lindholm to start the season there and could see great success. Uh, but, uh, it at least throws things into question, right? It's not automatic. Someone else who wasn't automatic at all was Johnny Gaudreau, right? And as Johnny Gaudreau goes, so will Elias Lindholm. And Gaudreau himself just had one point uh, over the five-game series. Uh, he, he was getting some shots off. He had uh, 5, 8, 10, 12, 16 shots over the five games, which is about right for him. Uh, it w- would have been lovely to see him take a few more shots, although he did his shot counts did suffer towards the end of the season. He had a lot of one and two shot games over his last 10, which was really concerning at the time. And uh, we know he went quiet for a certain period. So you, you wonder what the Flames are going to do to adjust to get this top line going. And we're spending time talking about the Calgary offense and how it broke down instead of Mike Smith. 
And it really is crazy that Mike Smith wasn't the reason the Flames lost. Um, Instead, it really was. They were the second highest scoring team in the regular season. They scored only 11 times in five games. But we're not just going to gloss right past Mike Smith. There's two points I want to make about him first before beating up on the offense just a little bit more. First, Elon, uh, he had a 917 save percentage in the playoffs. It looks like something an average steady goalie would give you, but that's not what Smith offered. He had three good to excellent games and two stinkers where he didn't really get his team much of a chance to win by posting a save percentage below 900 in each of those. So he was up and down, uh, which isn't helpful, but even less helpful than that was the Calgary team defense. The Calgary defense was so bad that they legitimately ranked last amongst all playoff teams this season in in expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five, which means that Mike Smith actually played well above his expected save percentage for the series on the whole, uh, which makes it even sadder that when Smith finally did show up, the rest of the flames went missing on defense and offense. I mentioned they were last in expected goals against per 60. So they, they gave up the most expected goals uh, against uh, at even strength at five on five. They were 12th in expected goals for per 60 minutes at five on five, shooting just above 3% too. So you take uh, the amount of expected goals that they could have been expected to earn and then put, pour on some rough shooting luck on top of that. And they just uh, weren't there. So really rough playoff showing for Calgary and you wonder after two years of terrible playoff disappointment uh, what kind of chip they'll be carrying on their shoulder next season as they well I would still expect them to qualify for the playoffs next year but we'll see what adjustments they try and make yeah well definitely in nets there's gonna probably be an adjustment Mike Smith I believe is a free agent at the end of this season so it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the summer yeah disappointment for the Calgary Flames I saw a tweet that now this this decade ends with the Edmonton Oilers winning more playoff series than the Calgary Flames so that just goes to show how bad of a decade it has been for these western canadian teams uh, of course the biggest upset in the playoffs and we discussed a bit before maybe the biggest upset in nhl history i don't know where this is going to end up ranking but the columbus blue jack is not only beating but sweeping tampa bay like uh, just just in general like, on a scale of one to ten like how much did this surprise you is this a full-on 10 out of 10 surprise yeah 20 20 out of 10 okay so do you think okay i guess the one question that comes to mind about this is andre vasilevsky he stunk uh 856 save percentage in four games so he didn't show up for this series like tampa needed him to clearly maybe they didn't think that they would need him to show up as much as they turned out to need him uh do you think this will hurt his like, draft stock going into next season i feel like a lot of people assume andre vasilevsky is the top goalie to own in fantasy right now that was definitely the opinion i think he's probably going to win the vesna trophy and yeah but like going into next year i like when we did our schmore goaliesborg going into this season we actually put Vasilevsky in the second tier and we said like we know he's on a great team we know that he has the pedigree to be a good goalie but we've never seen seen him put up a full consistent season and then this season I guess he made us look dumb he, he had a great season pretty much all year long but then he blew it in the playoffs you're still gonna have him in the top tier for next year right but like does this it's only four games so I don't know like what, what's your takeaway on Vasilevsky after this poor showing Well, that's it. He had a bad four games. And there's some apologists for Vasilevsky might say that Victor Hedman played injured for the first two games and then didn't play at all for the next two games. And that threw Tampa's defensive plan for a loop and affected Andre Vasilevsky. But even with 
that extenuating circumstance, the Lightning still were allowing the lowest expected goals against per 60 minutes at five on five of all playoff teams. And Vasilevsky simply played further below his expected save percentage than any other goalie in the playoffs so far. So you can still pin a lot of the goals against on Vasilevsky, just not being up to snuff. He really let his team down here. Uh, But then you also have to remember uh, outside of this four game sample, he was really good for almost the entire 82 games before these four games. Uh, Of course, for goalies, that can mean very little carrying over to the next season, but it's something. So uh, as long as Vasilevsky remains Tampa's starter, and he's going to, right? Barring something insane in the offseason, Vasilevsky is probably one of those three or four goalies that I mentioned in our group hour chat that you can justify putting a step above the pile and make a point to try and grab in next year's drafts if a goalie-centric strategy is something that's important to you. Right, for sure. And also, I want to give something else to uh, Vasilevsky. Like, this Columbus team is pretty stacked. You know, when everyone's clicking, like, you know, when they made these trades at the trade deadline, and then it looked like this team is stacked, but then they didn't play so well at the start. Then they had this great run at the end of the year. But, like, take a look at this team. Like, all the following players put up four or more points in this four-game series. So that's over a point per game or higher. Like, Matt Duchesne, seven points. Panarin, five. Wierenski, five. Atkinson, five. Bjorkstrand kept up his hot streak, four points in four games. Seth Jones had four points. And that still leaves Dubois, Josh Anderson, Boone Jenner, Nick Foligno. Ryan Dezingle was pointless. He's he's supposed to be a good player. David Savard played big minutes on D. Like, this is a pretty decent team. Like, to me, they don't actually strike me like an eighth place team when you look at this lineup. This is a team that we all expected going into the season was going to be better. We didn't think this was going to be like a last day of the season making the playoffs type of team. And oh, that doesn't even include uh, Mr. Sir. Gabe Bobrovsky, who continued his hot run for the end of the year. He had a 932 save percentage over the four games, finally shaking that playoff choker label. So I feel like this Columbus team was like really good. Like I could definitely see them going to the finals at this point, maybe taking this thing. I feel like they have just as good a chance as anyone else. Like they're going to play the winner, I believe, of Toronto and Boston. And I feel like that series, uh, I don't know, kind of a coin flip at this point to me. Like I'm really high on Columbus and I feel like maybe we were too low on them. Like we just looked at how amazing Tampa season was, but this Columbus team is no joke. Um, okay. So I'm actually not going to agree with you here. I know you're really high on Columbus and yeah, they do have some good name value up front with Dujane and Atkinson and Panarin. Um, but I'm actually not going to give a whole lot of credit to Columbus's offense in their sweep of Tampa. Would you believe Elon that Columbus was actually the least threatening team at five on five offensively out of all playoff teams so far this year. And that's also that stays the same on the power play. They have the lowest expected goals for rates uh, at five on five, again, of all playoff teams. So they have not presented themselves as a very dangerous team for scoring goals. They have, Uh, Picked up the fourth highest five-on-five shooting percentage, though, and that's helped them somewhat. But what's really helped them, and the reason Columbus is moving on to round two, is their defense. Their defense uh, suffocated the best offense in the league in the postseason. That's no small feat. And you look at uh, how few expected goals against they were allowing, and it was minuscule, right? They were were crushing it. So for that reason, uh, Columbus made it to the next round. It's not at all because of their offense. Their offense just got the job done, uh, but their defense is where things really stood out. Okay, I mean, 
again, I did list six players who are above a point per game. But okay, if I to tease this apart for the lay person, Brian, obviously I understand. But just to make sure, you know, all of the listeners understand, when you say this expected goals things, you're like not counting how many goals they actually scored. You're saying like according to you looked at the the charts and the graphs, and you saw like where the players were taking their shots from and how many shots they were taking, and this team shouldn't have actually scored as many goals as they did. Maybe you're just blaming this on Vasilevsky for like him letting in more goals than should have been expected, which is what you said. So you, but I mean, because it looked like on like just look at the raw numbers. This looks like it was a very high scoring team. They scored a whole bunch of goals, but you're saying that that was more to do with Tampa, like letting them get easy goals as opposed to them actually being a scary team. Um, yeah, I'm, I think I'm also saying that like, don't forget some of them came with an empty net too. They were ahead in every game. Right. Um, so essentially you did summarize expected goals pretty well, right? It's supposed to account for shot quantity and quality, uh, throw it all into, uh, there's stuff written online. I, I suggest if you're interested in the stat, you go check it out. I, you can find it, uh, on natural stat trick and at Corsica and at evolving hockey, uh, three great sources. And I think they each might calculate theirs slightly differently from one another. I know evolving hockey and Corsica for sure. And I have to uh, double check on where natural statric pulls their expected goals numbers, but essentially, yeah, they're saying uh, what's the threat level of each shot taken, uh, give it a weight and then add it all up to find out how many uh, goals a team would be expected to score cool. or allow. So okay. Columbus was really great in allowing very few expected goals, but very bad at actually picking up expected goals and, and, and coming in with actually uh, super dangerous offensive attempts. Right. So they didn't get many expected goals. They didn't get a lot of actual goals, which are the ones that count. But that's I, I would love to do a summer series episode at some point and actually look into because you use this stat like so much on the show. I think it'd be fun to do an episode where we actually like make sure like yeah, I mean, Maybe compare expected goals to actual goals and see if they actually correlate as you'd expect them to. So that'll be a fun thing to discuss later on. I, I'm sure it's good. Uh, the other sweet, like you, it's it's yeah, okay. You're sure. saying it's for sure predictive and good, but I'm uh, saying like a lot of work has been done, and you can find it all on like these. Are, these were not like randomly developed and whimsical numbers. Like, and they, I think there's been a lot of review. Like people put out their numbers, they put out their methodology. Uh, everybody critiques it. Uh, it's fine tuned and whatever. Uh, like, it's not to say it's gospel, right? Like, we there's there's a lot we don't know, and this is just a number that takes a shot at estimating the value and expected goals of each shot taken on the ice. Um, but it's not like these are just, you know, random, random things being thrown out there. Right. I agree with you. I, again, I'm speaking for the listener here just to make sure that someone's (laughs) not going to be like one star review. These guys say that Columbus wasn't a dangerous team yet. They scored all these goals. So, okay. Other sweep that I want to talk about, by the way, we've got Jade and Lewis here in the call. We're going to get to them soon. We're going to be doing our Kakapi awards where they're going to give awards for all of Well, actually, I don't even know what the categories are, but it's going to be a fun awards show for our Keeping Carlson patron fantasy league that we had over the season. You don't have to have been in the league or know anything about it to have fun with these awards. I think it's going to be a really good time. So we'll get to you in a second. Lewis and Jay, thanks so much for joining us. But let's, Brian, we got to talk about the rest of these series. The other sweep was another shocker. The Islanders mopped the floor with the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team both of us thought could go on a decent run. Are you crediting crediting this win more to the Islanders having a great series or the Penguins like totally blowing it? Uh, so looking at their offensive numbers in terms of chances in danger, uh, Pittsburgh and the Islanders were actually very evenly matched, more than a 4 nothing sweep would suggest, which means that uh, essentially Pittsburgh and the Islanders were entitled to roughly the same amount of goals, again, going by expected goals. But of course, that's not at all what happened in the series with the Isles outscoring the Pens 14-6 to 
while dispatching them in a mere four games. So yeah, what happened here? Well, for Pittsburgh, first quarter Matt Murray reared his ugly head once again. Remember how rough he was to start the year? Casey DeSmith, we thought he was going to take the job. Matt Murray was worthless. He was being thrown about in trade offers, like in, in fantasy, left and right, just for peanuts, people trying to get anything back for him. And then Matt Murray uh, took a little vacation while he was injured, uh, came back stronger than ever, put up a crazy second half, and then, yeah, reverted to his start of season self. So that did not bode well for Pittsburgh. And for the Islanders, it was the inverse, which is a story that's been the same all year long. Robin Lehner playing outstanding, sealing goals in games all the way through. Uh, he played so well that Pittsburgh's actual goals scored were half of their expected goals scored, uh, which is a big, this is at five on five, which uh, takes some really incredible goaltending to be able to do. So I think that, was absolutely the difference as it has been for the Islanders all season long. Robin Lehner uh, also a point to make here. It's hard to tell if Matt Murray was bad and the Islanders took advantage or if Murray was actually okay. And the Islanders were fortunate based on his save percentage and the way things go, like just looking at the numbers. But if you watch the games, uh, as I watched a couple of them, uh, I can't say I watched every minute of this series. So if anybody wants to share their insights uh, into the answer to that question, please feel free um, just to, to, you know, exactly tease apart why Matt Murray fell below his expected save percentage. Was it a few unlucky bounces or was he really that awful? Uh, I saw a couple awful goals. I saw a couple bad bounces too. So it could also be a little bit of both. Um, but there's no question as to how the Islanders got through the uh, got through the Penguins and into the second round. And it's the same way they were successful all season long with just incredible uh, out-of-their-mind goaltending from Robin Liner. Yeah, uh, Ryan saying in the chat room, Islanders built for the playoffs, roll four lines, four check like hell, and then also get great goaltending from Robin Leonard. Who, okay, so we talked about Grubauer and Bobrovsky putting up really strong save percentages. Leonard blew them out of the water. He had a 956 save percentage in the four games. Brian, I feel like next playoffs, I'm just going to predict the teams to win. Any team that has a hot goalie going into the playoffs, I feel like, because all these guys are talking about Bobrovsky, Grubauer, both of these guys weren't great like all season long, but were hot going into the playoffs. Leonard was hot all season long. I feel like maybe that. That's going to be my criteria next year when predicting these playoff series. Like, which team has a hot goalie lately? Because that seems to be what can turn a series. Uh, we were chatting about this on the Facebook group. Right, like, Robin Leonard is a free agent going into this summer. This Vesna finalist had an amazing season. He's killing in the playoffs. He's only 27 years old. He's not like an old guy. Uh, do you think he's going to get similar to what Bobrovsky will get in the offseason in terms of unrestricted free agent salary? Like, if you were running a team that needs a goalie, like, say, oh, I don't know, uh, San Jose Sharks, even though actually my, uh, Martin Jones is having a game today, uh, would you spend big on Robin Leonard if you could? Or would he concern you because he's only had this one good season? So this mistake has been made before, and I'm frantically Googling uh, the career record of Cristobal Huey as he might be the best example I can come up with on the top of my head as a goalie who had an outstanding year uh, and then came back down to earth uh, after having been given a long-term commitment. I think it was back uh, with Washington. He was traded from Montreal to Washington, or was it vice versa? Oh, gosh. I wish I looked this up beforehand uh, anyway he played really well with what i think he ended up with washington this was in 0708 he put up a 936 save percentage in 13 games with them to end the regular season uh and then he they lost in seven games in the first round that year the capitals uh, he put up a 909 uh, and then he got a really uh great contract from the blackhawks 
to continue his career there as a 33-year-old goalie with not a lot of great hockey under his belt. Like he'd had a, a good season or two of part-time work uh, going into that, but there wasn't much to go off of. Now, Lehner's a totally different person here, right? Like I'm not going to say it's it's an analogous situation. And the reason for that is that Lehner uh, has a potentially legit reason to have suddenly found his game and become the goalie that he was indeed projected to be. That's what Laner has going for him. He has pedigree. Uh, and then, of course, there was the story at the start of the season about how he's sorted out uh, mental health issues and has personal life in order uh, that's going to maybe let him compete in a way that he hasn't been able to compete in a very long time. So uh, I'm very interested to see where the Robin Laner story goes. I think it would be insane for a team to want to give him the sort of contract that Bobrovsky might command, especially in terms of term. But we've seen NHL organizations desperate for a franchise goalie roll the dice before. Uh, I'm not even one who wants to commit a whole lot of payroll, a a whole lot of my salary cap space to a goaltender, even if he is proven. So I'm even less willing to do that for a guy who is still a bit of a question mark. So Robin Lehner could very well find a team desperate enough to make a big bet on him, or he might sign another one or two year deal in the four or $5 million range. I think it'd be great for everyone. Like I would enjoy seeing him stay with the Islanders. It would be a a stretch though, to say that we can expect him to repeat this season next year. He's had a heck of a season. Uh, Unfortunately, it's been so good that setting that as the bar, like the expectation for him would be a little rich. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I also think he's probably going to sign a long-term deal for big money. Like, it's just been such an amazing season. We'll see how the playoffs end. We'll see if the Capitals, or I guess the Hurricanes, it's possible, uh, blow him up next round. But uh, I don't know. Just like you said, like a team always seems to do that. And uh, Ryan in the chat is saying uh, he thinks Laner will get Koskinen money, which would actually make a lot of sense. If you could give Laner a Koskinen's contract, I'm into that. If you give Koskinen's contract, Koskinen... If you give Koskinen Koskinen's contract, though, I am not into that. Yeah, I feel like that's a bargain. Uh, the Oilers might be thinking, oh, maybe we should have waited to the offseason. Maybe we could have signed Robin Leonard or someone else instead of already giving all this money to Koskinen for, what is it, two years? Uh, anyway, three years? I think it was three years, Oilers. four and a half each yeah. or something. There's a lot of there's gonna be a lot of fun goalies moving around in the offseason. Like we've talked about a couple of Varlamov, like Mike Smith. So yeah, uh, it'll be really fun to, as always, like see where all the goalies shuffle around to. Brian, your BFF, Jordan Eberly, he broke out in this first round series, six points playing with Matt Barzell. He wasn't with Barzell most of the season, but he got to the top line and he clearly did very well. Maybe the two stick together next season and Jordan Eberly becomes like a nice sleeper pick for next year. I'm definitely not telling anyone to uh, reach for Jordan Eberly. But, uh, you know, maybe he still has it in him to be that star player. He's, well, I'll, he's another guy I'm really curious to watch for the rest of the playoffs and see if he can keep this hot streak going. Uh, over on Pittsburgh, I'd actually like to continue a conversation, Brian, that we were having on Facebook about Evgeny Malkin. He had a solid season overall, like really good, 72 points in 68 regular season games, three points in four playoff games. And that's three points in four games against Mr. 956 save percentage Robin Leonard. So that's a very impressive uh, stat rate. Uh, but once again, he let his owners down. He missed eight games right during the heart of the fantasy playoffs due to injury. So anyone who drafted him and then lost their season in the playoffs probably can blame Evgeny Malkin for that. 
over on Facebook, a patron of ours, Teddy, was asking us to rank his top six keepers. Like he listed a bunch of players. We had to pick the top six. And you and I disagreed on one of the slots as you had Malkin there. And I had Alex Debrinkit, who just finished a season where he put up 41 goals and 76 points in his age 21 season for the Blackhawks. My argument was that Debrinkit, like is already a 40 plus goal scorer, presumably still on the rise at only 21 years of age. And someone who I'd be happy to peg for like 80 plus points next season. I wouldn't be shocked to see Debrinkit go from the 76 points to 85. And again, that's maybe a summer series discussion where we could go in depth on if he like earned all of those points or if maybe he got a little bit lucky to get all the way up to 76 points but you know like then plus to it doesn't carry the health concerns that Evgeny Malkin has so to me I feel like I would not only keep to it over Malkin but I almost feel like even in a one-year league if I'm drafting for next year I'd rather draft Alex to it over Evgeny Malkin just because I could be confident he's going to play even if he doesn't get like as high of a point pace I feel like it'll be pretty close I think it's also very possible that he matches Malkin so yeah I'm just curious to know if you want to make any counterpoints to what I said here i know we talked about it a bit on facebook but that was an interesting conversation we could share with our, our friends our listeners yeah it's an age-old question how many points does a player need to get to be worth more than an injury prone superstar like at what at what point do you want to make that trade-off of injury risk for points that you think you can count on this is like a, a management and drafting philosophy question and i'd say what someone like to bring it would need to get to be worth more to me than Malkin or, or worth taking before Malkin, I'd say 75, 80 points. And I could see Dabrinkit approaching that next year. Elon, I, I can't say he's a sure thing. And again, this is a summer series or almanac discussion uh, that Dabrinkit is going to be an 80-point guy next year. I, I know you're hoping he is, and certainly there's room for him to grow. Um, the thing with Dabrinkit, though, is unlike Evgeny Malkin, there's always the possibility things don't work out, right? You've got Gino. He's a lock. Guys like him don't suffer uh, from off years very often. It's a very rare occurrence. Or even like having poor variants in their numbers for long enough for them to be really hurt. They're just such locks for points that it's hard to look past a Malkin for a Deprinkit who's still, like we're not saying is a question mark, but relative to Malkin, like who is like, like a three exclamation marks, it's not quite the same certainty level you're getting. So I can see an argument for going either way. I think if I were picking one of them for next year, I would still roll the dice and go with Malkin. And maybe that just reflects uh, I had Malkin on my fantasy team for maybe the only time ever last season and he stayed healthy and it worked out really well for me. So maybe this is just my own bias and experience being like, oh yeah, works once for me. I do it again. Uh, but it is risky for sure. So it's all about your your level of tolerance for that risk. Would you rather tolerate uh, injury risk or would you rather tolerate the risk of a player uh, not continuing to grow the way you hope they will? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. But I think we should probably agree. I feel like Teddy should keep to bring it. Like, like for a keeper <laughs> league, I feel like it's different than a one year league, right? I could get behind you maybe drafting Malkin over to bring it for next season. But I don't know. In a keeper league, I think I'm keeping Alex to bring it. But anyway, that's a whole separate discussion. Because I know you're going to say, oh, if it's your sixth keeper, then you're going to change it every year anyway. Then I'll counter and say, like, 40 goal scorers don't grow on trees. And maybe to bring it could get more. We could have that whole conversation. Let's do it on another episode. Or maybe I just did it. So maybe we're done. Uh, last night, the Blues took out the Jets in game six to advance to the next round. All four of St. Louis's wins were, were by one goal. So that's, I think, kind of interesting because the, the games the Jets won were by more than that. So overall, like the season's, the series score was very close. But yeah, the Blues won all those games by one goal. And that was enough to take them to the next round. Brian, when you see that, does that make you think that, oh, they were lucky to win? Or is like they're like, there's probably still a lot of skill in winning a one goal game. Like they did still, still score one more goal than the other team. Should I put any weight in the fact that all their wins by were only one goal? 
Um, I people like to always like throw this stat out to say a team is clutch and give their record in one goal games, especially it's a it's like a really popular post game show segment on like sports talk radio to talk about how a team's one goal game record is so bad and like can they just not pull it together in close games? But it ignores all kinds of other factors, like if an empty net goal might have been scored to make it a two goal game that we're just leaving out entirely. Or if they were down two goals and they scored one with 30 seconds, like there's a whole lot of ways things could get to a one goal game. So even if there was a uniform way though, that, that we could say, Oh yeah, this was a one goal game uh, for the whole third period or something. I still don't know. Like I don't know. You could probably draw something from it, but I'm, I wouldn't be sure what. Yeah. I don't know if that's good for them or bad for them that they had all these wins in one goal games. All we, the one thing we do know is Jordan Binnington started all six of the games in the series, not in the Leonard Grubauer, Bishop, Bobrovsky, uh, Frederick Anderson, 925 save percentage plus tier. Those are all goals with 925 save percentage or higher in the playoffs so far. Uh, but still Binnington was decent enough. 908 save percentage. It's not actually that great, but it's not terrible. He wasn't like. What did we talk about who did there? Oh, Vasilevsky. No, he didn't blow it like him. Obviously, it was enough to get St. Louis the win. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting goalie situation for next season for St. Louis in terms of like, do I draft Jordan Binnington in a fantasy league and how high? Because drafting a St. Louis goalie t- doesn't always work out. Like generally, we draft Jake Allen and then by the middle of the season, Carter Hutton overtakes him or this year, Binnington overtakes him. So now Binnington's the starter going to next year. Maybe Jake Allen overtakes him at some point. Like I feel like it would be hard for me to really want to depend on Binnington being my number one goalie going to next season. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's doing so well and he's on this really good team. And he's the fact that he's getting all these playoff games makes me think it's just more and more likely that he's the starter, not only for now, but maybe even for the future. Uh, so again, like the blues aren't done. It'll be fun to see what Bennington does. Maybe he's going to be raising the cup and then we're going to be higher on him in a couple of months. But at this point is, is Bennington a pile guy for you or someone who feels like one of those goalies that you're going to want to reach for? Well, it's hard to make these calls with Bennington, who we've seen so little of, and we don't know St. Louis's plan necessarily. And part of that plan should become apparent as the Blues continue playing through the playoffs, right? Their season isn't over. So some of the story uh, that we'll have going into next year remains uh, to be written. But you have to think that it's Bennington's job to lose in training camp next year. And if St. Louis can continue being second half St. Louis uh, for next season, which uh, by all indications, it seems like it's something that's entirely possible for them, then yeah, I would want their starting goalie, Jordan Bennington. Of course, him not having a whole lot of incumbency, not having been the guy for very long means that he's on a bit of a shorter leash. But like, this is very much an off-season discussion, right? To say, well, if Bennington falters for five or ten games, maybe he doesn't have that much rope and Jake Allen gets a chance, but Jake Allen is over, right? I, I think that's what this suggests. I think it has to be Jordan Bennington for the Blues going forward. Yeah, at least for the playoffs. I don't know if I would say Jake Allen is over totally. And you're right, it's an off-season discussion. We'll spend a lot of time going back and forth and looking at all the numbers and coming to a decision on what we think about Jordan Bennington for next season, and then we'll be totally wrong. And so that'll be something that we could all look forward to. By the way, speaking of all these goalies, remember how last playoffs there were so many teams that played multiple goalies in the first round? I remember it was like half the teams had played their backup goalie in at least one game. Conversely, this round has actually been pretty consistent. Like we saw UC Saros come in for Rene on Wednesday, and he played really well, by the way. Maybe he should have actually come in yesterday in the 5-3 loss to Dallas because Rene was definitely not that good in that game. Uh, then there's Martin Jones, who's had a couple of bad 
games and has been pulled a couple of times. And Aaron Dell's come in and played equally as bad. But that's it. All the other goalies have played all of their games, all the starting goalies. So I think that's interesting. Anyways, that's a sidetrack. Uh, one other thing about the series, I guess I'll mention Patrick Laine. He started the series strong with goals in each of his first three games, but then was pointless in the final three games. So I guess a nice consolidation of Patrick Laine's whole season in this one series. He was good for a little bit and then totally disappeared. Uh, on the other side, huge kudos to Dustin Bufflin. He led the Jets with eight points in six games. He's definitely not done. And by the way, uh, and also the player that led St. Louis in points was also defenseman. Alex Petrangelo had six assists in his six games. Also really nice to see Jaden Schwartz get that clutch hat trick yesterday. Interesting. Actually, the top line has been David Perron with Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko. And then Braden Shen has been on the second line. Shen, remember, was on the top line for most of the season. But Shen has been on the second line with Schwartz and Oscar Sunkvist. Just telling you guys some fun facts. I don't actually have any questions for you, Brian. Do you have any other takes on the Jets-Blues series? I'm, I'm really excited to see what the Blues will do. And I feel bad for Brad and the other Jets fans who probably had high hopes going into the season. And it's not going to happen. Well, this Jets-Blues series is the one you started the show saying, asking if you could brag about being right, about Calgary getting bounced, even though you were you, you had it for the wrong reasons. This is my version of that. I, I could technically be happy about St. Louis quote-unquote, upsetting the Jets because that's something uh, that I said was was ripe for the happening. <laughs> what a great way of speaking. Is um, that an upset when they had the same amount of points in the regular season? Well, so I think that, w- that was the conversation we had when I said St. Louis over Winnipeg. But I, I think a lot of people thought Winnipeg had a legit chance at a cup run this year. And, uh, and I still feel like the majority were saying Winnipeg. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about having perceived that as an upset. But anyway, so I thought the Blues were going to win. Um, and then I looked through the numbers after the Blues did win. And this might be, of the series we've talked about so far, Elon, I think this is the series where the better team might have actually lost. Winnipeg had the edge in a lot of different offensive measures over the course of this series. They had the better save percentages. That's a defensive measure, but I'm counting it. Better expected goals rates, uh, even on shot attempts at five on five, even on power play success, even on goals scored. So like they were either keeping pace with or a little bit better than the Blues. But margins, of course, are super thin in the playoffs. And sometimes it just takes a couple of bad wraps or in the case of game six, an entire game of bad wraps for the Jets for things to fall apart and that's what happened so like I thought Winnipeg could be quote-unquote upset um but I don't think it justifies my original take I thought St. Louis would come in and show themselves to be the better team but Winnipeg uh, might not have deserved the fate of course they deserved it because they were garbage in game six of the series in the deciding game so they they got what they deserved in the end but they probably were they of, of all the teams like of Calgary and Pittsburgh, the other teams who we were disappointed or surprised to see bounced upset in the first round, Winnipeg doesn't fit in with that group because they they had a good series. So there you go. Jets fans and Jets players, hold your head up high. Brian says you deserve better, though. I think it was like at my Passover Seder. I checked this. I was like six shots after two periods yeah. or something for the Jets. That was terrible. Uh, let's talk about one more series. I know there's a few more series to talk about that aren't over yet. Uh, I wanted to mention quickly, like, how can we not mention that Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty currently going into today, at least leading the playoff point race. They each had 10 points apiece in five games going into tonight. Uh, this game is in overtime right now. So this is very exciting. The Sharks are playing for their lives. Golden Knights trying to get to the next round to play the Colorado Avalanche. So, uh, Brian, do you want to pick an overtime goal score winner uh, right now? Who's going to score the overtime goal? Carlson. Which which one? Oh, For either yeah. team. You're going to take... Oh, we'll each pick one for each team? Okay, I'll say then Mark Stone and, I don't know, Couture. But I think it's more fun. Actually, just pick a team. Like, which team do you think is going to win this game? 
Uh, I, I'm going to go Vegas, uh, like just having tri- tried to follow it, uh, like the numbers. And like I, I watched a little bit at the start and just seeing what I'm seeing. It doesn't seem like San Jose has played very well. Yeah. So, uh, but somehow Martin Jones is uh, keeping them in this game, which is wild. So hard to predict the playoffs, man. But okay. Mark Stone, Patrick, like I said, leading the playoff points race, 10 points apiece with five games. Uh, Paul Stasny, not far behind with eight points. Shea Theodore having a huge playoff, six points in five games. And I believe Theodore had an assist on the goal today. Yeah. It was Marsh. So from William Carlson and Shea Theodore. So Shea Theodore, just fantastic. If you grabbed him in your playoff fantasy league. I did. You did? Well, good for you, Brian. And Shea Theodora, we'll see if he advances to the next round. It seems likely. I think I'm actually going to officially go ahead. They haven't even won this round yet, but I think I'm going to now pick Vegas as my new cup favorite. That's just what my gut tells me. They have such an amazing top two lines. Like, it's so insane to me how they made the cup finals last year, lost their whole second line, and then replaced them with such a good line that I feel like now the Stasny, Pacioretty, and Mark Stone line, that's probably the top line. And then the Marshall line is the second line, but like, whatever. Like, it's just so amazing how they are even improved over last year. They have solid D. They have a great goalie. Of course, they might not get out of round, round one, like I said, but I think I like them the best right now if I had to pick one team to win the cup. And uh, just to be really crazy, I think I'm going to call a Vegas-Columbus final. I know you disagree <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, I definitely don't see the Blue Jackets making it all the way. But I did say uh, before the playoffs started that I, I saw the winner of Vegas and San Jose Jose going to the Stanley Cup finals and I am fe- like the way Vegas has played I'm feeling very good about it and honestly if San Jose finds a way to win this series I feel very good about that too I'm sticking with that prediction cool okay and looking at the stats I want to blame Martin Jones before today for ruining Eric Carlson's chances at a cup run as Carlson has had a great series he had seven assists in the first five games looking great offensively of course there are those that, that are saying like I've been on Twitter Brian I promise I'm not just totally in a bubble here Carlson does deserve some of the blame he hasn't looked so good defensively apparently he was on the ice for like a big chunk of the goals against for whatever that's worth uh, what's your take on Eric Carlson at this point is he raising or lowering his UFA contract amount that he's going to get with his playoff play so far like i wonder you know wasn't it what did the sends offer him last summer it was like 10 million a year or something and he thought it was like a laughable offer it was like you know i'm definitely not gonna say most people thought that the sends like you know kind of lowballed him is there anything to say now that maybe that's kind of what he's gonna have to accept just because he had an injury riddled year and people are concerned about his defensive play like what's your take right now on how you think carlson's gonna get uh, what kind of contract he's gonna get for next year I think Carlson has gotten a bad edit this year. Remember, he was cold for like the first quarter of it. That didn't go well. And then there's the talk of uh, his ankle never fully healing and like he'll never have the same foot speed again. I still think he is an elite player in terms of being a difference maker on the ice, someone who can make plays, find passes, set up offensive chances in ways that few other players, if any, in the league can uh, from the blue line. So I am still very high on Eric Carlson, but I imagine that fantasy owners and NHL GMs aren't quite as high on him now as they were heading into last season. So we'll see the one thing Elon that might end up driving his price up back to where maybe it belongs. If he is being undervalued is if two teams get into a bidding war, right? So he could end up getting a higher salary, not because teams believe in him, but just because like they need him. They want him on their team and they're willing to, you know, outbid another team to do it. 
Yeah, I hope that Eric... I'm going to draft Eric Carlson fantasy next year, I think. I hope he's going to be underrated and I could get him late, even though he burned me this year. It didn't burn me too much. I still won my couple league where I drafted him. But, you know, it felt like he burned me for a while. I, I'm thinking where I like him to sign is the New York Rangers, right? He'll easily take over on the top power play. That job will be his. There'll be no uh, competing with Brent Burns for that primo time. They'll also get Panarin. I'm with Jade, who's about to come on the show. I've got... I want Eric Carlson and Panarin going to the Rangers and then them going on a couple. They'll have Kako... Now, I, oh, I hope I didn't just pronounce his name. Oh, how do you pronounce this guy who's going to get drafted second overall? I don't know. Okay, well, uh, people are going to be really mad at us. We'll get Cam Robinson on a later show, and we'll talk about all the prospects and talk about New Jersey and the Rangers getting the top two picks. Uh, okay, anyway, yeah, I like Eric Carlson, and I really hope that the Sharks will move forward, even though that would actually hurt me, Brian, in our patron box pool that we drafted last episode. Remember how fun that was, Brian, at the end of the last episode where we both filled out our boxes? It was. We had a blast. We had a blast. And for anyone who's keeping up with it, like at home, like curious to know how things stand as of now, Brian, I'm in first place. How about that? My uh, gamble of not taking Tampa Bay players, of course, who knows, because my team is full of Boston players and Vegas players, so I could end up getting a, losing a bunch of them before the next round. I'm, it's kind of weird for me, because I have to cheer for Vegas to beat the Sharks when I prefer Vegas to win. I mean, I prefer San Jose to win, and I have to cheer for the Leafs to lose, and obviously it'll be a lot more fun in Toronto if the Leafs can get past the first round. But right now, I'm number one with a 92 points, and then second place, Huge Long has 90 points. Uh, third place, not to be suck again. I think there's a dot, dot, dot. So I'm not sure if that means there's more than I'm not seeing. It's Kevin Adams. And then uh, Dave, longtime patron guy, a couple tier one champion, fourth place. So got some fun names in there, including myself. Brian, we don't have to say where you are. You took <laughs> some gamble. You're a fun name. You know, the fact that you brought up the playoff pool in the first place, Elon, obviously, like you don't even need to share your positioning. You wouldn't even broach the subject if you what? weren't in the top three. Check out last year's playoff podcast episodes. We always mention who's in the top of the patron playoff pool. And you know as that. As quickly as possible, because you're usually not. So I'm happy for you. You needed this. I, I won. I won my couple division. I've had a great year in fantasy. I feel great. Yeah, but playoff pools are not your strong suit. Yeah, well, so far in long time, Dave didn't like my name for him. Longtime patron guy. He does some other things too, stream scheme. Anyways, Dave, you're fine. Uh, so that's that. Uh, I will mention now, by the way, did you guys all notice we didn't do any advertisements this week? We wanted to give you the show. So here's a quick advertisement for you. Oh, actually, no. How about this? We need a sponsor because we actually don't have any advertisements lined up for the whole summer. So if anyone knows anyone, or if anyone wants to promote something, uh, let us know. Maybe we'll promote it on the show. Uh, you can email us, keepingcarlson at gmail.com. I'm half joking, but I'm also half serious, because I'd be happy to promote something. You've heard my Seekeek ads. We have a lot of fun with them. Okay, uh, the other thing I'll say, if you want to become a patron of Keeping Carlson, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. We're still having fun all throughout the summer, and you could ignore all the numbers on the site. Put up any amount, and we'll give you access to all of our goods. Uh, so you throw us a dollar a month, and you'll get it all, including... Uh, your opportunity to sub- submit uh, a couple rule change suggestions. So if you're a patron right now, we want your rule change suggestions. It's a pinned post on the Facebook group. And so you could either send a DM to John Reed, the great John Reed, who will be hosting that show, or you could send an email to kktakes at gmail.com. Send us your cupful rule change suggestions. If you want to know what the cupful rules are as of now, keepingcarlson.com slash cupful, K-K-U-P-F-L keeping carlson ultimate patron fantasy league i think i had that right anyway okay that's enough with that we've got speaking of the couple our league that we did 
with a ton of patrons, 200 and I don't know, what's 16 times 14? Whatever that is, that's how many patrons participated in the Kakuffle. Uh, we had 16 divisions and we, they all got ranked and we're going to have a lot of fun next year after promotion and relegation. But for now, we've got two of our three favorites from the Twitter account, Average Time on Ice. AVG time on ice. We've got Lewis and Jade here who have prepared a whole bunch of content for us, the Kakuppi Awards. How about I throw it to you, uh, Lewis? And why don't you tell us like what you did and what, what we have in store? I'm ready to sit back and be a passenger now. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having us tonight. Thanks so much for joining. Jade is here as well. Hi, Jade. Hi, everyone. Woo! Okay, I love it when the average time on ice crew. It feels like you guys all can't be together because we had Ben here a couple weeks ago and you two weren't here. And now we have you guys. It'll be fun one day to get the three of you. But for now, I'll take what I can get. Two thirds <laughs> of AVG TOI is pretty good. There's actually only two of us. Um, you know, it's like an illusion. We can't all be in the same place at the same time. <laughs> is it when you two merge? That's when we get Ben? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So what's our what's our plan for the next half hour or so? Uh, so we've put together here a list of uh, what we think are some interesting awards. Obviously, we've got our folks who won their divisions and won their leagues and all that is great. Um, these are not exactly in that vein. Uh, these are some uh, award categories that we came up with based on uh, feedback that we got from our end of season survey. Uh, so we've got a variety of kind of goofy awards, but that help us commemorate some of the more interesting things that, uh, that happened during the course of the season. All right. So yeah, you sent out the survey. You let all the patrons fill in. Uh, it was a long, in- detailed survey. Can you share like how many people did you get that filled it out? That's um, confidential. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, you have to be an elite patron level. You have to be like hundred dollar a month patron, and then you get these types of stats. But uh, okay, I'm ready to go. Brian, do you have anything you want to say before we get into the cuppies? Let's do this. Boom. So I'll let, yeah, we'll just let you guys host. You could tell each other who's going to talk next, and I don't want to coordinate that. Yeah, we're all good. Let's do it. Boom. All right. Uh, so we wanted to start off uh, with an award that I think a lot of people out there will uh, have some feels about. This is our Sympathy for the Devils Award. Uh, and this goes to uh, patron Maddie A. Uh, from the team Tilters Anonymous. Uh, and really, this is just for everybody, Matty A especially, uh, who drafted Taylor Hall in the first round. Obviously, he had a killer season last year. Uh, and, you know, in the games he played this year, really excellent, over a point a game. Um, but uh, obviously, all those folks who drafted Taylor Hall this year in the first uh, really left very depressing. Uh, under his trades section, when he talked about things that uh, he would have liked to see, uh, he says that he would have traded his soul for a healthy EK65 and Taylor Hall. So sorry you weren't able to make that trade, Maddie, but it probably would have been worth it, eh? (laughs) Why does Maddie get the award of all the people who drafted Taylor Hall? What division are we talking? Uh, Well, he was the one who uh, submitted this as uh, his most regrettable decision. So that's why he gets gets the call out. So Maddie A from Tilters Anonymous, uh, your title is, uh, your team name is well-deserved. That's that's sad, but also nice that you get a shout out on the show. And what do we think? Like, is Taylor Hall like a first round pick for next year? Like, the Devils are going to get Jack Hughes. That, Brian's like getting mad. Brian, we're putting on an entertaining show. I want to talk hockey with these people. You're muted, anyways, which is probably good because you're yelling at me right now. No, you, you misinterpreted some random. I just like flicked my finger for no reason. Like, nothing happened. Oh, okay, I mean, I'm into it. I actually thought you would definitely take this opportunity instead of asking a Taylor Hall fantasy question to share how uh, we won a league. With injured Taylor Hall. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, th- we I were, thought you would take that opportunity. Yeah, we did persevere. Even I tried to trade him actually because I thought like I want to go for it this year. Does anyone want him as a keeper for next year? And no one bit. So now we won, and we still have Taylor Hall as a keeper. Assuming Lewis or Jade tells me that I should. Like, uh, are we still super into Taylor Hall next year as a above point per game player? Is he going to be healthy and just as awesome as he was a couple years ago? Yeah, I'm not too worried about him. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, if anything. Sorry, I was going to say, I think you were just about to say it too. I think if anything, he's going to be potentially a steal for next year. Yeah, yeah. him and Carlson. Like, I feel like there's going to be some really great value in players that people are ready to turn the page on, but shouldn't be, like Hall and Carlson. So uh, give me them both. Yeah, like we've been doing these votes every day on the Facebook group. Ever since the season ended, Dave runs our couple uh, rankings where we start ranking players for next season and you, everyone gets a vote and then whoever has the most votes gets ranked and then, you know, we go on to the next player the next day. Taylor Hall, I don't even think he has a vote yet. No one's even thinking about him. and We're like seven players in. So uh, there you go. We'll see for next year. Uh, sorry, Maddie, and congratulations on your award. What was the award called again? Sympathy for the Devils. Uh. Sad. Well, you can't have too much sympathy for them because they are going to get first overall pick. Right, yeah, but- as long as we're talking about some of these high drafting players, did you see how Capo scored seven points in his game today? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Wow. Oh, you were supposed to say, no, that was Jack Hughes. And then I was going to rib Jade because the <laughs> Rangers fans have been trying to convince themselves that Capo uh, is the real number one pick and they're going to be way better off. I like Lewis's strategy of sticking with pronouncing the first name just in case we get the last name wrong. Also, I was going to say, didn't Jack Hughes do the same thing? So I, I, I almost bit properly on that. Uh, I should have let it dangle a second longer. <laughs> Brian's been on the ball today, I guess, while I've been traveling around for family obligations. Uh, what's next in the Cacuppies? Good context. Love the Cacuppies. We need some new hosts, I think. How hard? Not, not Lewis and Jade, I mean. <laughs> wow. No, Brian. sorry. Brian and I hate each other now, by the way, everybody. <laughs> That's such a bummer. Okay, the next award is the No Moves But Bold Moves Award for Wild Fab Use. And if anyone doesn't know, FAB is free agent acquisition budget. So to add players in the cookupful, you have to bid money on them. And this goes to an unknown GM in Tier 2 Ottawa. Maybe uh, Elon knows who this is. Making no FAB moves until December, choosing to drop $50 on Domingue when Vasilevsky got hurt. Do you know Louis Domingue. So wait, why, why don't... Come on, we have to know what team this was. Yeah, honestly, this was just my... Bad. I didn't look at this particular <laughs> award until right now to look it up. I could try to look it up while we go on to other ones. So someone you're saying, just to get it clear, they didn't make any ads all season long or they didn't spend any of their $100 fab budget. And then how much did they spend on Domingue? $50. Okay. So and- out, of a, out of a $100 budget and Domingue, how many games in his stretch did Domingue end up playing? Like Vasilevsky was injured. Right, and it was like I think a he month. Played every single game, though. Like he was really valuable during that time. Yeah. So let's see. I'm looking at his game log. So it looks like November 13th through to December 10th. So you got 14 games of Demang, 11 wins, a 9-11 save percentage, uh, which is really fantastic. But in a head-to-head league, also, you, like you want it, like every, especially in the cup full. I guess every matchup matters. So if you can get 
a clear edge, even if it's at the expense of something happening, uh, like even if it's something that's just going to be temporary, it's not going to help you uh, later on in the season, you still have to do it. Uh, so good on that person. But I'm, I'm very curious to know if they would have rather uh, had some of their money back. Also, like a big part of free agent bidding is like, how much does everybody else want this guy? And unless the next highest bidder bid 49 on Domingue, uh, that's, a, that's an overbid. I do recall a lot of people bidding really big on Demang in all the couple divisions when Vasilevsky went down for that injury because we didn't even know how long, you know, like you could say now, like, oh, it was only for like whatever it was, less than a month, but it could have been for the whole season. Like the injury looked bad, if I recall. So uh, it makes sense. Do you remember when this injury happened? That'll help me. Uh, November find... 13th. Okay, so I- I'm still digging. Well, that, that was that was Demang's first game in, I think, for after okay. the injury. That will do enough for me. I'm going to figure out soon who it was, and I'll tell you after you announce the uh, next award. Yeah, it's definitely not... uh, We don't have this unknown GM nominated for stupidest fab bit. It's definitely for the boldness of the move. And, you know, yeah, 14 pretty solid games there. But like you said, probably not 49 for the second place bid. I want to know the name just only because let's see uh, let's see where they finished. I want to know their their standings position. So, Elon, you're going to keep working on that. Yeah, I know they didn't finish first. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> <laughs> why Why is that, Elon? Oh, I don't know. Just uh, I just have a hunch. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay, so what, uh, what do we got next? All right, next up we have Brian Combs Swindler's Choice Award for Wildest Trade, mm-hmm. named for our very own Brian Com, uh, After, can you, Yeah, explain that context, please. I don't remember exactly what the trade was last year, but there was some Maybe trade Brian that he got. It came in for a number context. of episodes of uh, <laughs> Brian having to sort of apologize for himself uh, and and make us all think that he wasn't such a bad guy for pulling this one off, right? I dealt, uh, it was Tavares, Thornton, Joe Thornton, Jordan Eberly, and like there was another piece, but I obviously, I like it was, I think it was the second best piece that I sent, but I can't remember now. So Savar is another pretty good player, uh, Thornton and Everly. And I got back uh, Eric Carlson, Nathan McKinnon. Ooh. But yeah. like, this was like right on the right, like right on the cusp of McKinnon mania. So I just got in in time and Carlson had had some cold moments. Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty good trade for me. Okay. More than a year later, still explaining himself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'm thinking here, the team that did the $50 bid on Demang was Regression Raiders, uh, Mike's team, and he ended the season 9 and 12, uh, ranked 12th in the regular season. So uh, it didn't work out too well, but we had a very tough division. So yeah, <laughs> it's not so bad. Okay, right. so we have the, the swindle. swindle. So, uh, this one actually goes to a deal that didn't go through in the end. Ultimately, it was uh, vetoed by the powers that be, but uh, I think it deserves credit for uh, for the madness of it all. This is a trade between Salvador Dalin, great name, uh, and Golden Seals in Tier 4 Vetlanda. Uh, this was a trade for Sar- uh, UC Saros and Maxime Lajoie for Marcheseau and Sergachev. Uh, and this one comes with a little context, too. So I guess this was all over the map because a fellow Vetlanda GM noted at the time, the thing is, Salvador Dalin tried to trade his Teravinen for my Wheeler the other day, one for one. So complete opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of... Uh, wild trades where you either have a clear winner or a clear loser here. So am I understanding correctly that the team that tried to trade Teravinen for Wheeler 
was also willing to trade Saros, uh, sorry, was also happy to trade Marcia So and Sergachev for Saros and Lajoie? No, they tried to trade Teravinen for Wheeler, where you would say that would go to the Wheeler side, most likely. Yeah. Uh, and then successfully traded Saros and Lajoie for Marcia So and Sergachev. Okay, so this this was a team that was just going fishing, look, mm-hmm. looking, for their, looking for their patsy. Are you sure? I thought it, I understood it the way Brian did, too. Oh, maybe I am mistaken. <laughs> well, either way, super hosting here <laughs> to make this like a little bit more entertaining. Like, <laughs> to, 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 no, I'm just kidding. But like, uh, but Marcia wasn't like so amazing this year. In the end, like that's not even the worst trade. Like, but Saros was really valuable when he did play. And Jonathan, yeah, but like, I think this was at the time like before Teravinen really took off. Like Aho was doing well, but I don't think Teravinen was yet. Um, I think Sergachev was useful and like. Saros just wasn't playing enough. Like it was, I was reading back at the comments when that trade was posted today, and like nobody thought this was not even just a bad trade. Like I think it was the most overwhelming. Like everyone saying that this was a veto. Well, yeah. Ever. Well, Marcia So was such a star at the end of last season. It's kind of funny. Some of these trades, when you look back on them, the ones that we like veto as like being like terrible, we try not to veto. This year, Brian, we did this. Uh, Vita, what was it called again? Trade the, jury. The trade jury, which is kind of actually annoying in the end because it was like a lot of work for us. Every time someone requested a veto, I had to assemble a jury. I kind of like it now, back how we had it before, where we, you and I just got to decide. That was nice to not have the blame on us. We didn't have that many vetoes, which was nice. But yeah, Marshall So came off a season where he had like 75 points in 77 games, but he ended this season with only 59 points in 82 games. So in the end, that actually wouldn't have been the, like, I still think I'd take the Marshall side, but it's not as crazy as it probably sounded at the time when we thought that Marshall was a point per game player. So kind of interesting how these, how these things shake out in the end. I was just going to say, I think even at his peak though, uh, Le Joie was like, you know, the, the jokey Harju kind of, uh, vicinity and that was a that was sort of where he peaked yeah yeah exactly and i will re-emphasize that for the third time that was his peak where yoki harju like might have been at some point so yeah lejoie was one of those guys who was added early on it's like oh without carlson is he gonna is he gonna really step up um also jade mentioned teravinen having a slow start or like us not knowing exactly where he stood at the start of the season and it's true like you look at his first two months so from october all the way through to the beginning of December, he had 18 points in 27 games. So not the breakout star uh, he totally became. Like, that's just a 55-point pace. He'd had a couple runs. He'd had a couple cold snaps. Uh, so uh, Teravinen for Wheeler was pretty far off at the time that that was likely proposed, if it was any time before uh, early December fascinating yeah it's fun maybe to go back through veto we should go back through it we should do a whole episode of keeping carlson of veto trades and if they turned out to be good i think that'll be a great show but how about let's move on in the cuffies it is it is kind of interesting i remember one time brian remember there was like a three for one at the start of a season that we veto because it just seemed so crazy and then I, I don't know. Anyway, I think Yuri Hoodler was in there. It was like after his great season and we thought that he was being totally undervalued and it turned out that he was actually a nobody. But <laughs> I digress. That's really funny. The next cuffy go- is the Turning Gold into Straw Award. And that goes to Epic Neil Time and Tier 5 William, who traded Lindholm and Duclair for Ghost and Svechnikov, thinking Ghost would come back to life and Lindholm was going to get bounced from his deployment. And he also later got outbid when Arvidsson was dropped in his division. Um, so everyone, let's just pour one out for epic Neil time. <laughs> so wait, what was this trade again? Uh, Elias Lindholm and Anthony Duclair 
for Shane Ghostbear and uh, Svechnikov. Hmm. That's a, it's not so bad. I don't know. I guess it depends uh, at what point in the Ghost season. Ghost was like absolutely painful for the whole year. Yeah. And Svechnikov, I feel like, wasn't really good like till towards the end. And Lindholm was great right. for the whole time. Yeah, I guess like I've said, like Lindholm's kind of left a sad taste in my mouth for his poor end to the season. So I'm already forgetting how amazing he was to own for so, so long. So no, you're right. Definitely Lindholm, especially if this was done early in the year. I'm sure Lindholm helped this person win like a ton of matchups because he was over a point per game for so long. Especially, I think, with the reasoning being that certainty that Lindholm was going to be bounced from that plum deployment sooner or later. Right, for just uh, especially Neal. with the name Epic Neil time for the team, I think it's pretty poetic, uh, sort of the way that it worked out. Oh, that's so funny. And I think James Neal was healthy scratched for at least one of the yeah, playoff games. Yeah, he was. The last one. How, how much longer is his contract? <laughs> All right. Next up, we have the NASA just released the first photos of a black hole, and you can see Brian tilting into it award. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will not be surprised that this award is going to our very own Brian Com in Tier 1 Sweden. I'm Brian honored to have needed... two awards named after me. Yeah, you are. You're really racking them up. Except they're both like negative. Well, <laughs> we're, we're here. We're here to poke fun at you. We we come to bury Brian, not to praise him. Uh-uh. Yeah. I'm sure they'd make fun of me if they could for this couple season, but they can't. But you're flawless. Yeah. We're gonna have uh, the the Elon uh, most confident in his fantasy abilities bragging about himself award. Which would probably just go to me. <laughs> something, something to do with humility, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe Dave Benton could be a contender for that one. Oh yeah, definitely. We were uh, we were all ready to give you a copy uh, for uh, having a big asterisk on your loss and how you would never let it go if you lost in your playoff match because Carlson was injured. Yeah, I was ready. So we were for just going to give you a giant asterisk as your award as your award. <laughs> okay, so we knew we'd be hearing it episode after episode. Oh, yeah, definitely. I wouldn't have shut up about that. It was like that time that... Uh, John, tank. It was when John Gibson uh, had to go oh, to the, the bathroom. And then, <laughs> and then Bernier cost me a matchup. Still right, talking well, about this three years later. Okay, so what did Brian this win? This is one that Brian won, and this is a special one for Brian. This was recommended by uh, our own Dave Button, who's going to feature again one more time. Uh, but Brian needed, like, a point from Johnny Hockey. He had paid a whole bunch to acquire for him in his final regular season match. It's the Sunday match. The Flames scores six goals. Poor Johnny Hockey could not get a point, and Brian ended up in the relegation playoffs. So uh, for having paid so much to acquire Johnny and then uh, having him flame out quite literally for us right there at the end, Brian is tilting into this new black hole that we just got visual evidence of. Ended up winning the relegation playoffs. Oh, yes, the the champion of the relegation playoffs. (laughs) That's uh, I'm gonna make myself a shirt that says that relegation bracket champion 2019. Okay, but you're not taking that out of our our shirt budget. <laughs> That's for, I already I did. Even... I've actually I actually got a jacket and a banner <laughs> that all say relegation champion. Yeah, it's all, it's all done. It's all already right. the money's already out of the account. Listen, <laughs> we can tease him about it, but I would swap places with him if I could. Oh yeah, well I guess yeah, he still is in <laughs> tier one. Right, Lewis, Lewis, uh. Did I knock you out, Lewis? Uh, no, we never got to go up against each other. Okay. Oh, but there was something with our matchup with the matchup I was in where I was relying on you and you were relying on me at some yeah, point. Yeah, right at the end to try and yeah. flip our spots so we could get a uh, yeah 
a pants or something. Anyway, it didn't work out. Okay. Congrats, Brian. Thank you. I'm I'm honored. It was an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> it was a tough pool of contenders, but Brian just came out on top. Okay. You next. know, it takes the, the massive amount of tilt to keep me out of a championship spot. Like, at least we all know that. It takes Brian, just, like, another an otherworldly circumstance. I think Jade was trying to uh, get to the next award, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Elon. The next award is... The best offense is no defense award could go to none other than our very own one of the favorite patrons, I think, Jeff Good in tier one Sweden, who is the first to go goalie free in the new scoring system and reeling off a long winning streak immediately after. And Jeff, this is an award near and dear to my heart, as I think I was one of the original um, proponents of a no goalies setup even though I was never brave enough to do it myself. So yeah, I, Jeff. Congratulations, Jeff. I feel like, yeah, I, that's what I liked best about our couple scoring system is we gave Jeff the ability to do this without screwing his team over. So, you know, we don't want to go as far as to say no goalies at all for next season, but I like that we have a setup where it's possible to have no goalies and not guaranteed lose. But Elon course, would like Jeff to thank him on his behalf for allowing him to yeah. win this award with, the scoring system setup is what <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah well i mean like it is a strategy like you can make the strategic choice to have no goalies and and jeff was bold enough to make it and see how it would work out um for the record jeff finished um i think he finished second in sweden but he was bounced i think in the semi-finals of the playoffs but his team was the 30th ranked team in the entire cup full of 224 teams. So uh, something was working out for him to rank that high in the hardest division in the top tier. So, uh, and and food for thought for anyone competing next year, if we uh, keep a similar or exactly the same scoring system, uh, it's a strategy. It could work. Yeah. I would say the strategy goes draft goalies, like use up those roster spots, hope that they'll be good. But if they turn out to not be good, don't just hold on to them because you feel like you need a goalie. Like if you have a goalie that never plays or that blows up your numbers every game, then yeah, you could let them go. And maybe that also means draft your goalie a little bit later, you know, like let everyone fight over the best goalies. Then, you know, grab your hopefully Robin Lenners or, or whoever, and you might strike gold. And if not, you do have the option to just drop the goalie if they don't work out. So yeah, it's an interesting strategy. We'll see if more people follow the Jeff Good lead next year and or maybe we'll have a whole different scoring system that will depend on what the rule change suggestions are that come into either john reed on facebook or kk takes at gmail.com uh and i don't want to let jeff good go without uh giving credit to his phenomenal name change right when he dropped all of his goalies all caps gritty take the net nice. really excellent <laughs> yeah that is great. John is uh, the auction draft expert, so I'm not surprised that he made it all the way to the end there. Probably drafted a really good team, except for goalies, clearly. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we did say Dave Batten would feature. He is getting an award today. It is the Cloud City Showdown Delayed Gratification Award. Uh, so this goes to Dave, Tier 1 Sweden Gamblers Fallacy, our champion. Uh, but... Uh, like all great competitors, he is never uh, fully happy, uh, even with total victory over uh, the massive pyramid of the cupful tiers. Uh, you know, great sagas, they draw us in because they don't rush conflict. They spare time for protagonists and antagonists to circle one another without always meeting head on. 
Uh, think about Maximus in the arena looking at uh, Emperor Commodus in uh, Gladiator or all of the missed connections of Game of Thrones. Uh, and I see Cupful kind of becoming uh, a saga of its own. You know, we're four episodes in. Uh, and one of our plot, arc, plot arcs uh, this season involved two of our tier one superstars, uh, Brian and Dave, uh, all beginning over a glitch in the Yahoo uh, bidding system and $3 and Patrick Kane. Uh, but when it came to the end of the season uh, and Brian successfully survived the relegation process, um, but is headed down to tier two since Elon won his division uh, and is headed to the top, uh, you know, like all great competitors, Dave wants to play against the best. Uh, and so he, uh, he's, you know, expressed some uh, some concern and some upsetness for missing out on his opportunity to uh, do battle with Brian once again. Uh, so the metaphor I'll pick is the climax of Empire Strikes Back. Dave's Vader has left Brian injured and defeated, uh, but he's dropped down whatever that big tube is and he's getting rescued off the bottom of the city. Uh, so Dave is going to have to wait at least another full season before this rivalry saga is going to get its next chapter. But I just want to tell Dave, you know, he doesn't need to despair. I know that he's upset about missing his opportunity to take Brian on here. But if he's patient and if he can wait, he's going to get another opportunity. <laughs> if you wow. did, if he didn't go through me, it doesn't really count, right? <laughs> You know, it's not 100% guaranteed that Brian's <laughs> going to jump down to tier two. We thought, we'll talk about it. We'll have a conversation. It also used to be like a really, uh, like this used to be as an Ottawa Senators fan and an Ottawa resident in the early and mid aughts. This was like a constant troll by Leafs fans. Uh, like, and it was discussed ad nauseum for like weeks at a time come playoffs, especially the years where Ottawa like was still qualifying while Toronto was falling off. It was, well, if Ottawa wins the cup, but doesn't beat Toronto on the way there. Like it's not even like a full win because like their demon, their rival is the, is are, are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so if they don't slay that dragon, then even a Stanley cup doesn't really erase it, or like ignore the fact that they still have not uh, struck that from the record. I definitely recall having a conversation with my brother before, at least once, of like, would you rather the Sens beat the Leafs and then not win the Cup or win the Cup but not beat the Leafs? And it was like a tough decision because he just wanted <laughs> to stop freaking losing to the Leafs every single year. But uh, yeah, so Brian, uh, you didn't give Dave his ultimate satisfaction. Uh, no, well, he, yeah. would, he wouldn't have gotten it. I, I beat, I would have, uh, well, anyway. Okay. <laughs> He did. He did get him in their one head-to-head matchup. How did you only manage to have one head-to-head matchup too? Well, I guess there's 21 regular weeks and sure. there's 13 opponents, so uh, it just couldn't happen. Maybe but I that. did. Uh, I was one of the highest-scoring teams in the entire Cupful in the championship. All right, yes, just for the, just for the record. Brian deserves to be there. Well, maybe uh, he'll get his. Uh, Caps-like opportunity to slay the the penguins who stymied them so many times. I just like in this, like I don't know Star Wars that well. Uh, you know, come at me or don't at me, actually. Uh, but as, I'm the good guy in your analogy, right? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but you lose at the end of the movie, at least in this installment, you know. So that's why I had to have you fit in there. Okay, I we got won't... it. That's fine. If I so long as I'm still the protagonist. Right, well, yeah, we won't Dave spoil is your dad in this version. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Uh, 
Man, so many spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I haven't sorry, seen it yet. A movie from 1980. It's like when I see Game of Thrones spoil like comments on Twitter. Like I've never watched an episode, but I might one day. And it's just like I still scroll past them really quick. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this. I just guarantee you. That's I how I treated the Sopranos thing, too. Except, like, I have the world's worst memory, so I can't even like remember a thing that someone told me yesterday, let alone like a spoiler that I've read, but I still get really stressed out when I see them. I have the world's worst memory, except for the things that I desperately try (laughs) not to remember. Mm. That's the catch. I know how Sopranos ends and I've never watched Sopranos. (laughs) I do plan to watch it. Don't tell us Elon. Okay. You might watch it one day. I know it's controversial. What's that? (laughs) I guess we don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen. (laughs) Okay. Let's, Move forward. Can we, we I just want to think, can I take a pulse really quickly oh before God. we move forward? Do you guys think this is like going to be considered one of the best segments we've ever done <laughs> on the show? One of the worst or somewhere in the middle? Like, how do you think this is going so far? Best, easily best. Okay, great. <laughs> Listeners, tweet at AVG Time on Ice and let them know if you agree or disagree. No, to only tweet at us if you agree. I don't want to hear from you if you disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You can unfollow us. Yeah, unfollow okay. if you disagree. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't unfollow, but please also don't tweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two awards left. The penultimate. Uh, actually, we're going to switch it up a little bit. Um, and I'm going to present all the nominees for this award. And then we're going to have a quick, very quick, because I'm getting really tired, uh, discussion on who should win. Okay. This is the Dominic Bach, Bach Bach Baby Award for <laughs> Best Team Name. My hand-selected nominees, and I'm sorry if I didn't include you, just pretend I scrolled through really fast and missed you. Elon in order, New <laughs> Team 7, hashtag Rip Fan Tracks. That was my hashtag that I added, but I liked New Team 7 because they're bringing back the old days. Bufflepuff. Tuka Pill in Spisa, <laughs> Kai Ratty Kid, Mozzarella Sticks, and the aforementioned Salvador Dalin. Yeah, Salvador Dalin, definitely a strong name. Not a strong competitor, though. Finished 223rd out of 224 couple teams, <laughs> but definitely does better. They're probably in, not listening to us in, right now. Does better in the name rankings. <laughs> How do you even rank that, Brian? Um... It's uh, in my remember Marcus. Yeah, he's he's got all kickupful teams ranked. Oh yeah, this is like the same as your expected goals or something. You're going by like total fantasy points and not actually how he did in his ranking in his playoffs, right? Well, he was four and seventeen in the regular season, uh, and he had fewer points than a team that went <laughs> one and twenty. Well, hey, I would say the foreign the team that won four times is the bigger winner. Yeah, so I'm just ranking by. What do you mean? Your, is this your expected goal? Like, yeah, it's like you know you this? have it's like you You're have like your the, those tweets I've seen over the last week where it's like hockey is about heart and balls and that's all that what? matters. It's like <laughs> no, I say I think hockey is about goals <laughs> and saves and balls like, and balls <laughs> pucks. Like uh, I just think that you have to when you say this team was the best or this team was the worst, you have to go with how we actually okay. judge the I'm ranking in the rote. Okay, so in total points scored, yeah. Salvador Dalin scored the second 
lowest or fewest? Which am I supposed to say here? Number all, of points. All I know is you've probably cost us a patron right now with all the ragged. I was just going to say, now we're getting unfollowed for sure. <laughs> on the what? what why? Because you're ragging on Salvador Dalin for being so bad. I'm trying to say that no, you have four I be, wins. I was calm. Great name. Like, please come back and rename your team <laughs> and, and get it back in the standings to a commensurate place where your name would rank you. I don't get mozzarella sticks. Like, what's that a reference to? Uh, I have no idea, other than, like, the best appetizer ever. <laughs> so I just thought it was and, great. And hockey sticks, presumably. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, There's I liked a- it better when I thought it was, like, purely, there was no deeper meaning. <laughs> oh, my bad. I didn't mean to ruin it for you. So who Sorry, wins? I'll, I'll or do we have to discuss it? That's I have a few nominees. Can I right, can I nominate a few of my own, Please. of my few favorite names? So I actually, there seemed to be, like, this theme... Like when I was looking through the names, like I liked the really mundane team names. Like mozzarella like, sticks. They really got well, not so much mozzarella <laughs> sticks. Like the the John Arbuckles. Like it doesn't get much more boring than a team named the John Arbuckles. And then there's Palat on the back. Yeah, I liked Palat on the back. And then too. there's the very simple but effective Jared Sturgeon. Which, which, like, <laughs> I giggled at uh, Phil Ketchup. Like this is this is where I'm at in terms of liking team I don't get names. John Arbuckles. If I'm being completely you, honest, do you know do you know the comic strip Garfield? Uh, sort of. Oh I'm wow! Of <laughs> They've been running the same one for like 40 years. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know there's a cat who's like upset with the world who's upset with monday who hates mondays and loves lasagna and that's the cop so john arbuckle is his owner can i give you guys a lasagna take (laughs) so my mom okay so some people follow passover right and there's like the jewish rules are you're not allowed to eat bread or like noodles i guess but you're allowed to eat these like crackers called matzah so my mom made lasagna but with like matzah instead of noodles but i just kind of it just made me think like sometimes i feel like some of these traditions in a religion i feel like we're kind of going against the spirit of it because like i feel like the point the reason why they eat the matzah is to commemorate the fact that like the israelites didn't have time to you know make bread and so that we're trying to remember that by like blah 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 and then it's like they also didn't have time to make lasagna like i don't know the whole thing just it's so silly to me to have like pass over lasagna. I don't know, for some reason, it made oh, me laugh. I can't wait to listen to Elon's like religion pop culture spinoff podcast. <laughs> me and Elon are going to have a, a, a matzah show where we're going to do a cooking show and get all the good alternatives. All the alternatives are bad. The basics, the the matzah, the horseradish, the haroset. That's all you need. That's all you yeah. should eat. It's the best. The chocolate is good too. There's also a, a, something that I uh, like. My second favorite thing about Passover this year was you know, you go through the the gu- the Haggadah, like the guide with all the the stories and whatever. And then at the end, there's like a list of things that happened on Passover apparently. And then one of them said that like this like city of Midian was destroyed by a loaf of bread. I feel like did you guys? <laughs> <laughs> you guys know this story? No. Can like the religious Jewish listeners let me know about this story of the? Lo- it's a loaf of barley bread that destroyed. I'll send a screenshot of like this thing. I took a picture of it. Uh, I am looking for. We'll share that story on a future episode of Keeping Carlson. <laughs> I, I have just the the source to ask. I'll I'll get back to you. Okay. So thanks. so um, can I, I also? We were talking about Garfield. Can I? Uh, there <laughs> oh, yeah. was a website way back, and I've and I've located it during this chat uh, called Garfield minus Garfield. It still exists. Garfield minus Garfield dot net, and what it does, and like this. This is like early internet so like i think it was around like 2009 2010 that i came across it um 
And it was a website that just posted Garfield comic strips, but removed Garfield from it. And it was like <laughs> this existential, um, like this, like this amazing experience. Like, so it's just John Arbuckle essentially alone saying one like gum- grumpy or cranky thing. I, I'm not going to spoil, like you go check it out for itself. Like it speaks <laughs> for itself. You're not going to spoil it. Well, like I, the more you talk something up and like take it, like I want everyone to go experience it for well, themselves. Okay. I'll spoil it. Here's one, uh, the latest one on the site. There's John Arbuckle. He's staring at nothing. The next uh, panel, he's also staring at nothing. And then the last panel, he says, "The lost your will to live" phase. <laughs> it's so good. You I just need to tweet at average time on ice. Do you prefer the Passover matzah digression or? <laughs> Garfield without Garfield read aloud by Elon without any visual cues. <laughs> comic strips, comic strips narrated. I could maybe if they want to hire me, I could record the audiobook of Garfield minus Garfield. I could just let people know. I would listen to that. Can we add one of those really outstanding and never used uh, KK uh, hashtags? Sure. Hashtag uh, Arbuckle versus Hagada. Okay, let us know what you like better. But, but there's spelling. so many different spellings of Haggadah. <laughs> hashtag Team Arbuckle or hashtag Team Haggadah. Let us know what you like better. Uh, is this a good podcast? Okay, so what? Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through. So the the way to my heart with a good team name is a is a silly pun or a music reference. So that we also had Ghostface Keller this year. We had Gritty Gritty Bang Bang. We had Smith and Jones Forever, which is a, a I think a silver a silver Jews reference. And then took a pill and took a pill and Spiza. Like, Wasn't that Raskin, Lucas Pisa. Well, I'm just I'm just emphasizing it's a oh. it was on both Jade's and my list. And also one one other name that we haven't mentioned yet, Stepan Urkel. Which oh, is a yeah. classic Family Matters reference. That was Ian. Uh here's a hot take. I think team name talk <laughs> is boring. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. All right. So who won this award? <laughs> Mozzarella sticks. <laughs> Congratulations. There was also a team in the cupful called Team One. And like that's not the default team naming system of Yahoo or Fantrax or any platform. Someone just They're number fa- one. This fake it's generic a- name. Yeah. Okay, so what's the last Kakapi award? <laughs> uh so the last one is a serious one. Uh this is our Heart of the Champion Award, uh, and you mentioned this patron before, um, but this is a patron who brought a lot of joy to us over the course of the season and really made things interesting, uh, and that is Marcus O uh, for being just a total stats champ and giving us all this really fascinating information on his uh, weekly table updates uh, You know, with the luck factor and uh, total ranking throughout the uh, uh all the divisions of the league. It was just some really cool stuff. Uh, so Marcus is our heart of the champion this year. No jokes, uh, just a lot of appreciation uh, for what an awesome contribution he was this year. Woo, heart of a champion. And that, so he dethrones Mathieu, who was the heart of the champion last year, right? That's true. Well, it's, it's not like a dethroning. It's more you, you only get it for one. There's term limits. Right, it's like a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. It's like the Masterson Trophy. Like, you don't, like, look back at the guy who won the Masterson Trophy last year and think, oh, yeah, he really declined. Like, he, <laughs> he, he did not struggle as much this year. Okay, well, way to go, Marcus. <laughs> oh, my God. That was awesome. So I would got- also like to take this quick moment to just reflect upon last year during the first annual Cuckuppies when we announced this Heart of a Champion Award. 
And Elon was so excited thinking it was for him. <laughs> it was not. I mean, I was a champion. Yes, Elon. I still am. Maybe one day I'll win Heart of a Champion. I don't know what I have to do for this, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying. I'll do anything. Not this. <laughs> All right. So how about this? We've got more team names. Okay. So if you love team names, then you're listening to the right podcast. <laughs> We are through with the Cuppies. Thank you so much, Jade and Lewis. And I assume Ben also helped with the preparation for. Not at all. No, not at all. Okay. So Jade <laughs> and Lewis. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Average Time on Ice, like I've said before, one of my favorite. I'd say my favorite, the funniest Twitter account out there for hockey. You definitely have to be following them. AVG. No, Average TOI, I believe. Is it AVG no, Time on Ice? Or? AVG Time on Ice. That's it. AVG Time on Ice. Uh, great follow. Thank you guys for a lot of fun content. Uh, for those of you who didn't think this was fun content, hey, we gave you a lot of good content in the first hour. So just think back to the good times when Brian and I talked about hockey players. Uh, I think it would be fun if we just keep this podcast going until the Sharks Golden Knights game in. They're in the second overtime right now. I feel like we could just keep talking about Garfield or whatever until this game ends. But in the meantime, we do have one more piece of business to get to, which is more team names which is what everyone loves so we didn't get to it in the last episode so a bunch of people won their leagues or lost their leagues and they're either happy or sad and we want to pay tribute to both the people who fell and the people who succeeded and got to ultimate glory so we're gonna go and play some happy and sad music and tribute those team names and uh jade and lewis i'd love for you guys to join us in giving these tributes and for those of you listening being like oh my god more team names like you have our permission you could you could stop the podcast right now there's there's no more content there will be content if there's a goal in the sharks golden knights game i will say who scored the goal maybe we'll talk about something related to that but that's the last thing so you could definitely uh end it if you'd like but if not then why don't we cue the happy father's day music which is our saddest song that we know and we are gonna Name the teams that unfortunately made it super far, but weren't able to get across the finish line and win their league championships. Let's do this. Jimmy the Quitting Bum Whistle. Gotta have heart. Looney Goons. Point on a line, eh? Hamilton (laughs) Henchman. Screw you, Chagas. (laughs) The Goon Squad. The good, the bad, the bufflin. The New Jersey Wizards, who were 18 and 4 in the regular season and then lost in the finals. Better probably, than Tampa. Probably uh, had Evgeny Malkin on their roster and he let them down. And Taylor Hall. The daddy. <laughs> I mean, if they had Taylor Hall, then they probably wouldn't have made it to the finals. But okay. Uh, Elias Yeast Yeaterson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tuke Nukem. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like uh, that one. CR Krakens. Icy dead people. That's good. I don't get the reference. It's like icy is spelled I C Y. Yeah, like Are you joking that you don't get the reference? It's like three references. Well, I get I that. I see one. Like what's I C Y? Like what is that icy? Like what is that? Like because they play on ice. <laughs> Oh, Game of Thrones <laughs> is extremely popular and has frozen dead people. Oh, and but it's a sixth sense. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely hockey and sixth sense. Like, there's not yeah. even debate here. I guess I just always assume it's going to be a player name. You know, I forget that it could just be generic hockey stuff. Like mozzarella sticks might be like reference <laughs> to hockey sticks. The best team name of the couple, apparently. Okay, uh, Mother Walrus 
unfortunately lost. They traded Bennington, who won the championship for the other team. That's the worst. You make a trade with the team that ends up beating you in the finals. All Dezingle ladies. Classic. Former episode title. Uh, Bias for Elias. Sleepless Nights. Flatbush Hound Dogs. Oh, I love this one, but it's sad because they lost. Eichel 65. They're blue because they, they are. Lost. They lost. Oh, uh, gritty, gritty, bang, bang. The aforementioned, perhaps. Light flurries. Wilson's hit squad. Brian, by the way, oh, and Jade, you're, you're, you guys are known Tom Wilson haters. How we about are. how about Tom Wilson? No pims so far in the playoffs. Yeah, what, what's he doing? He's not doing his job, is he? Getting points. He's not being gritty and playing with balls. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah why what brian what are his expected pims <laughs> i don't know you can devise that stat okay three du- zillion uh up next we have dubois are back in town uh stammer hammer oh duchenne yeah <laughs> sorry this is going well <laughs> Well, this is supposed to be like sad bec- and like unorganized because these teams lost. So, like, just like how these teams, their managers were sad and unorganized. <laughs> so is our uh, saying of their names, Mitchie and the Buds. Destiny arrives. So, and that's uh, that's the full list of losers. Sorry, uh, everybody. Good job, losers. Yeah, better better luck. But most of these people probably made it to the finals. So that's pretty hard to do. So you don't beat yourself up. They put themselves out there. I yeah. I think that deserves some respect. <laughs> Probably they were over it, and now we're like opening up these old wounds a couple weeks later for them. So sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, let's turn on our happy music now. Let's go with the pa 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 pa. And uh, we got a big list of people that we're gonna say huge congratulations to. And uh, let's start, Brian. Why don't you go ahead kick us off? New West Nightmare. T.C. Williams with the three-peat. Wow, three-peat. That feels, that must be so good. I'm going to do that next year in a couple. Uh, Father of Dragons. Uh, I guess he listed his MVPs. Connor McDavid, Ranton, and Zabanajad. Help him to the win. McJesus and the Bum Squad with a back-to-back victory by Tiebreaker. The awesome. Oilers should rename themselves. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, or pick first pick. Definitely did not follow their team name's advice to uh, if they're a champion. Good job. Felix Debrinkat. The North Stars. The Vancouver Riot. The Elmer Mighty Geese. Vanek at the Disco. TC Williams. Russian Gasolvesky. Uh, David Abisher. Broad Street Bullies, undefeated all season in First Dynasty League. Not against chumps. <laughs> well, yeah, so the first was, uh, let me guess, Broad Street Bullies, first ever Dynasty League, probably drafted like it was a normal league, and then all those chumps were probably drafting prospects, and Broad Street Bullies got all the star players who are maybe Thank in Thank God Ben is not here to, like, discuss this point with you for the <laughs> next, like, three hours. <laughs> I love it. I love that win. Great job, Broad Street Bullies. That's how you play in a Dynasty League, as someone who's never played in a Dynasty League. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Saber Squad. Tier one's own gambler's fallacy. North Korea. Detroit Ghouls. JB's team. Is this this JB? No. Oh, okay. We can pretend it is. <laughs> okay. Someone just as great as uh, the JB on the call. <laughs> well, uh, okay, not just us. <laughs> okay, almost as great as the, as the one on the call. Won the Mongoose Cup for the fifth consecutive year out of six years. 
damn, was second in the other year. I'm surprised that everyone else hasn't quit the league. Yeah, that's that's always my thought when someone's like three Pete or four Pete or in this case five Pete. Yeah. Everyone just like wants to be social. They go for beer like once a year and then forget about the pool. It's an expensive beer. Uh, is it me? <laughs> what, <laughs> what the hell about? <laughs> Pierre Dorian Jr. Green Bay goals. Keep calm and Bergeron. I love this one. Sir Buffalo and Payne. I don't get that's it. A, that's a Game of Thrones. Illin Payne is like the head chopper. Uh, I'm Ma- like, Matthew, Matthew knows what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get any of these Game of Thrones team name puns for years to come. Coffee and donuts. The ginger kittens. By the way, Green Bay Gulls won the Wisconsin Pro League. <laughs> Throw that out there. Bring Cat. And, and they won the, the Floppy Chimps Hockey League. <laughs> Five, four, fighting. Tropic Thunder. What's a rebuild? Zadina is Chichu. The Jersey Boys. Knights of Ren. The Mighty Golden Owls. Puck Daddies. Jagermeister, who you can follow at Young Fajita. <laughs> that's, One of my young, that's young with no O, the way the youth spell it these days. <laughs> One of my favorite Twitter handles of people who follow us. <laughs> Very into names, clearly. <laughs> Weird Wookies. We're a team. <laughs> Carly's Angels. Isotopes. Classic Connor... Simpsons reference. Oh, sorry. I stepped all over you there, Lewis. Connor oh. McFriggin' Jesus. <laughs> Suno, Monto, Senders. Parentheses. Caps are important. <laughs> yeah, it was all in caps, by the way. <laughs> it's a very long acronym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should we try to guess what it is? No. Okay. Uh, some <laughs> uncles never own my other new Taurus, or no, this is I'm so done. boring. This is so boring. Okay, <laughs> no grain, no gain. And then Lewis is gone. So Brian, you go next. The lumberjacks. CS underscore Marshall. <laughs> is that like a code joke, Elon? I guess sometimes you'll have a underscore to represent like what type of variable it is. Some some people do something like that, but I'm not sure what the CS would represent. So like an integer or something. Uh, okay. 40 Crick. Ogie Oglethorpe. 3 P. Dr. Hook McCracken. Refuse to lose. And finally, Jack to the Future is our last gratefully our last tribute in 2019 so uh, if you didn't get us your team name uh, do something next year and then get in touch if you're still listening wow now there's now there should be a hashtag hashtag heart of a champion if you made it <laughs> this far in the episode you are the true keeping carlson super fan also brian you want to just go quickly say uh shouldn't be here just shouldn't be here yeah all right so thanks everyone for listening Hope you like the show. Thanks again so much to Jade, Lewis, and Ben from Average Time on Ice. You definitely want to follow them on Twitter. They are killing it. So we're going to be back in another couple of weeks with our next episode. We'll talk about what happened in the we'll talk about what happened in this Sharks Golden Knights game, which is still going, as well as what else happens over the next two weeks. Uh, this is so much fun. I love playoff hockey. I love talking to you guys. Uh, but let's end it. So let's cue the outro music. And Brian, why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of Keeping Carlson was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our newest ones who are joining us at just a dollar a month. If you want to get a taste 
of what being a patron is like. It's, it's a little different in the off season, but join us for the summer series. Uh, you'll get an extra bonus patron cast a month, plus access to our Facebook community. Uh, so a very hearty welcome to our newest patrons, including uh, Brayden, Tony, Mike, Chrissy, William. So happy to have you. Uh, this episode was researched with help from uh, Dabber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dabber Prospects, Natural Statric, Evolving Hockey, Charting Hockey, Corsica Hockey, Cap Friendly, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Yahoo! And also thanks once more to the Average Time on Ice crew at AVG Time on Ice on Twitter. Follow them. Okay. Uh, do we sound lame? Maybe, like, try to push so much just for people to give us a dollar. It makes me sound like a really big loser, but I don't know. Okay, great job as always, Brian, and we will catch you up in a couple of weeks for our next episode. We're not, you know what? Don't give us a dollar. Fine. Do what you will. Yeah, keep your dollar. Is that better? I don't even want to. If you, give it, if you sign up as a patron, I'm going to take it to the bank. I'm going to get that loony. I'm going to find you and throw it in your face. How about that? <laughs> that would be a really good perk for our $1 patron tier. <laughs> All right, let's end the show. In America, it wouldn't be as effective with a bill. I could fold it up, and it's a lot of so it's a hard little block. Yeah. Until uh, until so we'll see you in two weeks. Until then, keep on keeping Carl Sun.